British Spy Stories, Season 2, The Kill Order. Episode 7 The taxi drops off Gabby at the main entrance to the airbase at half-past midnight. She pushes the door to the security cabin, and the two men on guard duty look up simultaneously at her. They work swiftly to inspect her identity papers, and one of them goes to an inner room to check some detail about her over the phone. Whatever it is, it seems to be easily sorted out. He re-emerges and gives her back her MI6 identity docket, then says that a jeep will be here in five minutes to take her to Hangar 9. A young Polish Air Force Zeregawi, the lowest rank, arrives in the cabin a few minutes later. He has bright blue eyes that are watery from the drive in the cold air. His blonde hair is cut with short back and sides. He has no English and uses hand signals to invite her to the vehicle that she can see through the windows down one side of the room. She clambers into the jeep, and the driver pushes the accelerator down hard. They take off at a frantic pace. With no seat belts, Gabby holds the door to steady herself. The sky is inky black above them. The airfield is littered with arc lamps that seem to form pools of light along the access road as they cut through the coldness. The vast shadowy bulk of hangars come and go as they drive further into the dead flat site. Trainer aircraft sit in neat rows down one side of the road, ready for the new recruits to train for their Polish wings in the morning. Then there's a long stretch of unlit blackness until she starts to see an enormous shed gradually appear out of the night with Hangar 9 written on the side of it in fresh paint. The car stops as quickly as it started and the driver indicates a pair of enormous doors that are open at the end of the hangar. Gabby steps out. The vehicle turns and disappears off immediately back into the distance. Inside the hangar, two RAF men and five SAS soldiers are carrying out various checks and loading equipment into a Gazelle AH-1 helicopter that sits on a low dolly cart. The chopper is painted dark green with no other markings. The SAS men are all of one type, hard men, their eyes utterly focused on the job in hand. The variations between the men in build and height are minimal. Gabby walks up to the group. Which of you is Corporal Moore? She says. The men have no rank insignia visible. That's me, Mum, says one of them. You spook Major? I'm Agent Blackhawk, Corporal. They shake hands. Moore points to each of the other men in turn. These are Harris, Clark, Green and Hayes. The men look at her in turn as Moore mentions them, but neither Gabby nor the men say anything or give any nod of greeting. You're doing an interrogation in the field, ma'am? Just some questions, Corporal. How long do you need for that, ma'am? says Moore. No more than five minutes. We need to keep to that time if possible, ma'am. I'm sure we'll cope, Corporal. Mum. Take me through your plan. Over here, Mum. Moore unrolls a map that is on a crate to one side of the aircraft as she walks over to him. This is location Alpha. He points at a field on the map. We bring her down here, 
Your grid ref is in the housing, here. He points again. From Alpha, you, me and the medic Green will decamp to the grid ref. Green will check Coda's fitness. Clark will provide chopper cover. Harris and Hayes will create a skewering from Alpha to grid ref. I need to talk to Coda in the house. You'll get your five minutes after Green has given Coda the once over, says Moore. We think in stretch him up. I think so, Corporal. Harris calls Moore. Stretcher extraction confirmed. Sir. Gabby and Moore discuss the finer details of the logistics while the men work on prepping the aircraft. One of the airmen gets into a small electric tractor and they pull the helicopter on its dolly out to the tarmac. Ten minutes later, the gazelle swings up off the ground and round to head northeast. All on board know there is a journey of just over an hour ahead of them, and they settle back into silence as the steady beat of the rotors pushes them towards the border with Belarus. Laravel is sitting in almost the same position that she has done for most of the last twenty hours. She has not dared leave Dmitri alone in case his health deteriorates. His breathing has been shallow, but she can't tell how seriously injured he really is. The wound on his chest isn't bleeding any more after she pressurised it, as much as possible, with a towel she found in the house. She can feel she is hungry, too, as she hasn't eaten since the airport. She checks her watch. Two o'clock. Gabby said they'd arrive about now. Laravel's brain switches to listen for what she can hear around her. But there's little sound. The occasional noise of traffic on the road that she heard during the day dwindled to nothing as night has enveloped the area. Ten minutes later, Laravel is sure she can hear something. She strains her ears, but it's nothing. Or is it? Yes. The steady beat of a chopper. She gets up and looks out of the bedroom window. There are no lights on in the house and no curtains at the window. The landscape is doused in blue from the moonlight. As she watches, two red lights appear in the sky, and the beats get louder. A hazy shape of something at first. Then the gazelle swings up over the trees, and she feels her body react as the black outline of the helicopter hovers low over the woodland. It lands immediately, and she can see shadows emerge from the side door spreading out across the land. Three of the figures are coming this way. She hurries down the staircase and stands at the open front door. The sound of running feet echoes from the houses around her. The figures seem to be getting quicker as they approach. Then suddenly they're in front of her, pounding across the grass of the front garden. British Army, Mum? He's upstairs, is all she can say and the two soldiers rush past her and up the stairs. Then she sees Gabby. You okay? Yeah, replies Laravel. I just want to get out of here. The women follow the soldiers to the first floor. In the bedroom, Private Green is kneeling next to Dimitri and injecting a clear fluid into his arm. You'll come round in a second, Mum, says Green to Blackhawk. Gabby kneels down and watches Dimitri's face gradually glide into consciousness. 
He opens his eyes. Dimitri, she says. I'm with MI6. I need to talk to you. I need to ask you some questions. Can't this wait, Gabby? Says Laravel from behind her. Blackhawk turns to Laravel and the men. I need you all to leave the room, please. Sorry, Jenny. The soldiers have already walked out to the hallway, and Laravel looks confused, but walks out after them. Gabby turns back to the old man, and leans over close to his face. Dimitri, she begins. I need names of your contacts in Serbia. He looks puzzled. What? No. I'm sorry, it's important. They talk, but as they do, Dimitri's voice gets weaker and weaker. She asks him about the people he dealt with when he had contacts into the Serbian Mafia. She asks him about the power structure, how they operated, and what crimes were committed. There's a knock on the door, and Moore puts his head into the room. That's your five minutes, Mum. She acknowledges the corporal's message, and turns back to Dimitri. We'll get you out of here now, Dimitri. She smiles at him, and he closes his eyes. Corporal, she says. Let's go. Harris, stretch to Gridriff. Moore barks into his comms headset. Green, check the man. Green returns to Dimitri and checks his heart, breathing and pupils. I'm giving you a sedative, he says to Dimitri, and pushes a hypodermic into his upper arm. Mum, can I ask you and Laravel to return to Alpha Sharpish? They move down the stairs as Harris arrives with the stretcher at the front door. The women run back down the road and towards the field where the gazelle landed. The other SAS soldiers are standing fifty yards from the craft, keeping watch of the woods and across the fields that stretch out to either side. As Gabby and Laravel reach the end of the roadway and cross into the grass of the field, the first shots start to ring out from the woodland, and they dive to ground. Clark and Hayes run at full pelt towards the shooter, each covering the other with return fire. Over the comms earpiece, Gabby can hear the soldiers. Small arms, Fargov. Attacking location. How many in? One. Ten yards, Corp. Moore and the stretcher party with Dimitri are halfway between the house and the chopper. Coming under fire, Gov. Two positions now. The stretcher reaches the helicopter doorway as a spray of bullets hits the metalwork of the gazelle. The soldiers get one end of the stretcher on the craft and push it inside. Gabby and Laravel look at each other across the earth. Then bullets whine past them and hit the dry soil with dull thuds around their position. Sustained fire, Gov. Third in. Blackhawk, where are you in Laravel? You should be on board. We're pinned down, Corporal, says Gabby into her comms. Stay there, Mum. We're exposed, Corporal. We're moving. Stay, Mum. Gabby ignores Moore's command, looks directly at Laravel and nods towards the helicopter. The women rise at the same time and run towards the open door. More bullets skim either side of their heads. Down! shouts Gabby, and they dive to ground again. One end down, Corp. Got him on a headshot. Comes over comms. They fucking hit me, says Hayes. The five SAS men spread out across the field, with sustained fire into the woodland, where the shots had come from. Hold! It's more. 
over the comms. The shots stop, and a calmness rolls in from the inky blackness. The men wait. Should we go in, Gov? Clark almost whispers over comms. One second, Clarky. What seems like a minute passes, but it's actually less than twenty seconds. The comms crackles in the soldiers' earpieces. Clark, Green, Ricky. The two men run around the flanks of the enemy position. Then after a while comes a report. Two in, Gov, both dead. What hat? says Moore. No hat, Gov, says Green, indicating the dead shooters have no military insignia. Mom, sit rep, says Moore. We're fine, Corporal. She looks at Laravel, and only then notices the woman's eyes are closed. She scrambles across to her. Jenny! She shakes her shoulder, and Laravel opens her eyes. It's nothing, she says. Agrees. Mom, it's more of a comms again. Yes, Corporal. You need to see this, he says. In the chopper. They walk to the aircraft. The men are standing either side of the door. Looks like they hit him. A red gouge of flesh has been scraped out from the side of Coda's face, and blood has seeped out, creating a crimson halo on the stretcher. There is a pulse, Mum, says Green. Let's fucking get him out of it, says Moore. And they all scramble on board. Then the pilot lifts off from the field and turns the craft west, towards Poland. The clock in Hangar 9 shows almost 4am, by the time the gazelle lands back at Deblin. An ambulance rushes Dimitri away to the base medical unit, and the soldiers remove their equipment and store it away. End excellence, says Moore. A jeep sits on the access road outside the hangar, and the men get on board with some mumbled goodbyes to Gabby. Thank you, Corporal, she says, turning to Moore. Mum, sorry about Coda getting hit. We got the intel. Moore visibly reacts to her lack of compassion. She holds out her hand and he shakes it. Gabby turns to the larger hangar doors, which have now been closed, and steps across the threshold of a small access door into the cold air. A car is waiting with its engine ticking over on the access road, with a driver and Laravel inside. Gabby gets in beside her, and the vehicle moves off, back to the entrance of the airfield. Why didn't you tell me everything? What was the interrogation for? I can't tell you, Jenny. Sorry. There's a silence. Then Laravel says, What happens now? Two attacks in two days says Gabby. Unidentified gunmen attack the lorry. Then they know about our extraction. We need to review our plan. Do I go back to Teresa and Moana? Maybe. The boy was killed, says Laravel. Who? Moana's brother? You didn't say. Moana's going to be cut up about us, says Laravel. It increases the risk. Agreed. But it's too late to turn back now, says Gabby. That's why I chose you, Jenny. It's going to get tougher from now on, but you'll be fine. Aravel turns her head, 
and looks out at the passing lights as the car pushes on across the airbase.